0: I've made a huge mistake in a resident Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Episode 7 of Season 4, Colony Collapse. Um, and it was broadcast, as with all the other episodes, on the 26th of May, 2013. We're focusing on Job. Uh, in the credits, there is an electric guitar. Uh, now, that's a little bit of a call back to George... Uh, well I mean I say George but the George slash Oscar episodes where they have like a guitar so it's like the electric guitar is kind of a call call out to the, them. Uh, this is the 8th out of 15 produced even though obviously it is the 7th. Uh, the episode was written by Mitch Hurwitz and Jim Vallely and it was Directed by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Miller, as with all the episodes. Uh, It runs to 35 minutes and 34 seconds, end to end, uh, which makes it the longest episode so far. Uh, Besting the previous episode, which was the longest episode. Um, I think as we get into the back of the season, they start to get shorter again. Uh, Joining me to talk about this episode is Kevin Lynch. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Darren. And uh, I'm going to give you the summary as it is on the DVD menu. Uh, Joe finds a new group of friends after his relationship falls apart and his family abandons him. Um, I don't think it's good to say his family abandoned him. It's one way to put it, sure. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but this episode opens with possibly my favourite opening of the entire season. Uh, which is we are introduced to Jobs, no, well not Jobs' entourage, <laughs> because as they point out later on, he's he's three he away not the from the centre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we start with you know uh, the narrator talking about Hollywood Boulevard, and um, there is actually a quick sign that says China Garden, which obviously is the oh, name yeah. of a, a character. Um, that appears in some of the other episodes. Um, and we talk about Mark, uh, a pop star who had a level of fame he could neither appreciate nor handle. And he, he his, his full name is Mark Cherry, uh, which is obviously a call out to Mitch Herbert's friend and previous guest cameo. Uh, creator of Desperate Housewives and um, uh, what's the one with the maids? Devious maids. And that is Mark Cherry. Um, And we then see Trout, a southern boy who has a northern man's taste in women. (laughs) Doesn't make sense, but okay. Yeah, his full name is Chris Trout, but somehow that turns into Trout. Uh, We have JBJ, a weekend weatherman all week party boy and huge disappointment to his father, which is, of course, revealed by the fact that his name is actually John Beard Jr. Um, Now, I don't know if John Beard actually has a son. Um, and I'm not going to investigate that. I'm not even <laughs> going to Google it because I would just love to believe that this is his actual son. Of course, it's it's actually uh, uh, it's actually Ben Schwartz. Yes, yeah, playing a proto General <laughs> Fio. Yeah, and we have Chris K, who the narrator admits was a lot like Trout, but without the a- accent. Um, <laughs> and his full name, obviously, is uh, Chris uh, Um Now it's interesting because Kazmierskiak is um, you know a Polish uh, surname and it kind of means to destroy the peace yeah. <laughs> so right. that's that's an interesting i mean szack usually you know at the end of a polish word means son of so um you know son of someone who destroys the peace basically is right. is, is what this means um, and interestingly enough angela merkel's father um had had the name kasmiusiak so um you know that that i think is her maiden name basically Uh, So I don't know if that's a deliberate reference to Angela Merkel. (laughs) I doubt it,
1: but also the way the show layers on jokes, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: And then we have Oakwood. A studio teacher who might have had his own entourage if his part hadn't been cut from the pilot of Modern Family. Oakwood's full name is revealed to be Jonathan Tyler Taylor, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, a play on uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I think it was. There were a lot of, um, you know, three three named um, child actors in the nineties, so obviously this is a, a very specific joke about that. Um, and speaking about three child named, we have George Oscar Bluth the second, um, who is the man they call Getaway, um, and you know we they are arriving at a place which is called And, uh, the name of the club which is owned by Jeremy and I'm going to pronounce this as Job does, Pivon, um, <laughs> which I just love the fact that he fancies up Jeremy Pivon, um. And yeah, th- like that is such a p- perfect joke on the like the opening credits of Entourage. It yeah. features a kind of. If you
1: Jane weren't sure addiction. what they were referencing earlier, you are now.
0: Yeah, it features a Jane's Addiction kind of rip off song that plays underneath, and um, you know the, the, <laughs> the credits for Entourage finish with the words "and Jeremy Piven," and that's you know kind of uh, on the side of a building. That's how all the that's how all the titles appear on Entourage, um, so. I don't know. It's just it's such a great opening because within those few minutes, like it promises this idea of Joe being like kind of um, loved and successful and kind of content and, you know, part of this group. And, you know, by the time we actually come back around to to, you know, where Joe being in this entourage, we find out that actually yeah, this is his you know, rock bottom. Yeah, he's he's really not in a good place uh, by the time we get all the way back around to that point. Um, so you know and then you know we we as we do with most of the characters when we have their first episode we jump back to um, in this case just kind of in the middle of Development Arrested everybody else usually we get from the end of Development Arrested after the Queen Mary had you know crashed into the shore and uh, this time we we actually get um, you know we find out that you know a few hours before obviously Job and uh and Anne apparently were running down the clock uh waiting for Anne to turn eighteen <laughs> um now the thing this is obviously is if you watch um development arrested, there is a bit where Anne says um you know to George Michael i'm eighteen now, and at the time it was just it seemed like just a statement of you know her yeah. saying her age and you know that she was older than george michael and but the, the here it's obviously revealed that you know that now she was means now. both her. Yeah, she means, like, yeah, like, you know, they're literally waiting for that to be, you know, true. Um, So it actually kind of adds something to a joke from a previous episode. (laughs) like how after... We've already seen this before. Obviously, Scene Stealer Pro is... is, Is over the
1: footage. Yes, haven't run out of the trial version yet.
0: Yeah, and George George Michael punches Job. This is the first occurrence of her in this episode, uh, which is actually an old her. I like how Job says, you're lucky I'm chasing after our girlfriend, and then he, like, bumps into Anne. (laughs) And he, of course, repeats something that, um, you know, uh, George Michael himself had said, which is, way to plant Anne. Um, uh, First, (laughs) Job then refers to her as my darling plant. <laughs> it's just such a... And then we get, like, one of the weirdest little sequences in this entire, like, episode, which is saying something, because this episode has some really kind of bizarre twists and turns. <laughs> yeah. Job tries to do a trick of pulling a mouse from behind <laughs> Anne's ear, but every single time he do, he says, surely, you know, there's a mouse behind your," and he goes to say ear, but as he pulls it out, just instinctively knocks it into the bay like right next to them just you hear this little splash as it goes into the water and then Job goes to do it again and she just <laughs> knocks it into it's the time. water and she just and I just and he goes to do it from the other side and she does it again just like keeps knocking him into the water and it's just
1: the pause too because she clearly knows it's coming at that point and he's slowly doing it and then the reveal and nope goodbye it's just, it's just it's such a weird little joke but I just love the fact that they st- the button on it is uh is great too where he's like you're the only person who doesn't like magic <laughs> and then they shows the uh the news report saying that everybody hates magicians
0: John Baird is, is is for some reason he's got a new job and he's uh he's on a television Vision at like an airport <laughs> I love that he, he, he announces that, you know, magicians are, you know, the, the kind of the least favorite entertainers. And then he says talk show sidekicks are the close second. And Andy Richter happens <laughs> to be in this airport land <laughs> watching this. And I like how he goes, and you can add your last newsman to that list because I quit. And then, you know, in the background, he once more quits a show. And interestingly enough, John Beard quitting is is this re- like weird running joke that they seem to have added this year. Yeah. Where every single show he's doing, with the exception of um, To Entrap a... A local um, predator. He just keeps quitting.
1: them. He's just doing an increasingly obscure streaming service news uh, news outlet, and just keep on quitting. Yeah,
0: and and on the um, the subtitles, they're all like, if you watch on the screen, there are some subtitles. Um, you know, obviously because this is an, you know an airport lounge, and people probably aren't going to be listening to the TV. But all the subtitles are completely like mangled um you know when it says second it says 2d instead of like the n is missing and obviously it's meant to be someone like live typing the subtitles and it's just it's just a really weird like little kind of joke that they add in there on top of john beard quitting all these jobs um and you know we find out that um you know Anne wants job to make things right with george michael and um in this particular case, um, you know, she's talking about, you know, getting to fourth base and we get to once more, we get a, a quick baseball reference as Anne, Anne's fourth base seems to be completely different to what uh, Job's idea of fourth <laughs> base is, um, though it's, it's odd that neither of them call it home, which suggests they don't even know proper baseball metaphors. Um, uh, but yeah, so. And
1: if it was softball, maybe, but baseball, not so much. Yeah, and,
0: and I like as well. <laughs> you know, Job outlines, you know, that he can be faithful for you know a couple of hours, saying, <laughs> yeah. you know, and this is where he starts calling Anne stupid over and over again. Saying, of course I can be faithful. Don't be stupid. You think I can't keep it in my pants in front of a a bunch of doggy old women in my family? Don't be stupid. Who am I getting hit on, stupid? My sister, Lindsay? Don't be stupid. She's my sister. That's gross. And then he goes... And now you've got some mice to scoop out of the sea. <laughs> we know from having seen developments. Arrested that Job finds out that they are unrelated and hits on Lindsay, and of course immediately gets slapped in the face. <laughs> I like us as-
1: for the second time that day. Apparently, yes,
0: he just he just keeps getting hit in the face. Uh, not including when he he hit into uh, Anne. Um, and John, oh, yeah. John Beard reveals here that you know the, the, the queen changed course and headed back to shore that is something obviously that will be elaborated upon in the episode which is actually titled Queen Bee which is about Lucille um, and it says leaving most of his occupants all wet and this is where Job uh, takes out once again That's such a great
1: physical gag
0: such a long joke where he takes out uh, his two drowned white dove because um, he's putting these on the insurance form. And it was going to be for flowers to doves. And then he he takes out a wet rabbit from his pants and says, this was doves to rabbit, also drowned. And then he goes, uh, there were these mice. <laughs> and Tobias, who's standing next to him, goes, for rabbit to mice? And Job goes so serious when he goes, no, that can't be done. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I love the kind of like the serious tone. And then he goes, it was part of something I call miscellaneous. Uh, mouse in, <laughs> mouse in purse, mouse in drink. Here's a mouse. Now it's gone. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know he does a little trick as he's doing that, and t- as he wanders away, Tobias goes, "How would he do that?" Uh, which, of course, calls back to what uh, magicians apparently call audience members. <laughs> we get the only interaction I think uh, this series between Job and George Michael, where you know Job asks, "Are we good?" And uh, George Michael says, "No." And then he goes, Job, of course, accepted this goes, no, how could we possibly be? But are, are we good? <laughs> and, then, and then of course, Job Michael is like, no. And then Job goes, yeah, it's a tough thing. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, are we good? <laughs> and it's just like, I, I I don't know. I just love the kind of like interaction here between Michael, Sarah, and Job.
1: Yeah, it's great, especially at the end, because George Michael's really trying to like connect and like hash this out and. And Job just wants to make sure that they're good.
0: He goes, I don't know what you want to hear from me, Uncle Job. I mean, yes, are we good? And then Job immediately goes, there it is. There it is, from a nephew to his uncle. Just the yes, the much-vaunted yes. So that's what he gets. And he's just, like, boasting to nobody about the yes, we are good. Um, Which I just kind of love. Um, And, you know, at this particular moment, we get the introduction of possibly my favourite, like, new running joke in Season 4. Uh, which is yes. Job realizing something and just sitting there completely motionless while um, Sounds of Silence just plays the single line "Hello, darkness, my old friend," <laughs> uh, and in the background we hear you know Tobias and Lindsay arguing, saying you know like uh, you know it's just a fallacy, um, and I it's just such a perfect joke. I mean, it just fits with the kind of the mood of <laughs> Job. Uh, you yes. know, at this particular, like whenever he this is this is kind of like instead of him just saying I made a huge mistake over and over again, which he he only does once in this episode, yeah. he just keeps being completely still and sounds of silence plays. And it's such a perfect, I mean, you know, if people haven't seen season four of Arrested Development, at the very least, they know GIFs of Will Arnett. Yeah, sitting oh, there John staring into the yeah. distance. Yeah, and it's just such a, it's it like, you know, it's become a meme itself, but it is just like such a funny joke. And in this episode, they go to it four times, which is a lot of times to go to this joke, but every single time they use it, it is, it's just perfect. Yeah, organized. it works. So Yeah. And this is where, you know, Joe breaks into Anne's bedroom um, and <laughs> he's about to break up with her. But then she unzips her pyjamas, which takes a long time because she's got a zip that goes the all over. The narrator's line in this is great, too. <laughs> yeah, the narrator says, as she unzipped her pyjamas, it reminded him of past situations which he'd successfully been aroused. Which is such a great... But it takes her so long to get all the way down to the bottom of the... Of the pajamas, um, and you know, obviously, they have sex, and then afterwards, it cuts to them in the kitchen, and Job is now wearing um, Anne's pajamas, uh, and she says, "How did how did you like? How did you like <laughs> your egg?" And of course, Job goes, "I said you were fine." Once again, you know, the kind of res- so mean, resurrecting an old nickname for Anne, of course. Uh, I think the first time she was ever not called Anne was when she was called Egg. Yes. Um, so going all the way back to the first time we met Anne there, basically, this is where Job is asked, you know, what was he going to say when he came into the bedroom? He was scared by a picture of Jesus as well, which is such a stupid joke. But...
1: <laughs> oh, I thought that guy was real.
0: <laughs> and this is where we get Job stuttering, something that he did, Um, you know, when Michael at the Christmas party in season two, um, you know, he was he was talking about how they're gonna roast Job. And um, you know, at that particular time, he kind of broke down in a really weird way, just saying the word "should" over and over again. And Will Arnett just delivers the most perfect kind of like stuttering here when he's like, you know, a
1: good five minutes of not being able to get a sentence out. <laughs> yeah, he goes, he goes, Brilliant. He,
0: goes uh, he goes. What is it? What is it? The, the 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 questions you ask so many of these uh these these. These questions that that are the for should should I should 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 the should the should the should the, should the guy in the thirty two dot in the thirty two dollar pink bath should 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 the the girl in the six thousand dollars sixteen and he just like can't say anything, and you know the narrator says Job was uncomfortable with the question. Um, and it finishes with him just going come on (laughs) like when he finally kind of gets a word out and then of course as he kind of like begins like breaks down and Anne starts hugging him he just keeps saying come on over and over again um just before he, he then delivers marry me um which, you know, <laughs> I like how the narrator seems to think that this is something that is common in show business because he says he yeah. meant it in the show-busy way his niece had always used it. And we get this lovely little montage of maybe saying marry me over and over again. Um, and the narrator then saying, but like many angelicals, Anne took it literally. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I love the idea that most people when asked, you know, marry me, don't, don't take that as a literal question. Um, yeah, no. and of course, when Anne announces that she's getting married, every all of the veals kind of run in and surround Job, and you know he has this unconditional love, and once again, "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend" plays, just as he says, "I've made a huge mistake," um, and you know that kind of like sets up uh, the, you know what will be the main kind of uh, plot for the rest of this episode, which is, you know this marriage. Uh, Which obviously, (laughs) um, you know, Michael is the first to think that that Job isn't going to go through with it. Um, So and at the meeting, which, you know, we've seen from a couple of different perspectives now, we see this almost like a side meeting going on between Job and uh, Michael, where Job says he's got mouths to feed. And then, of course, (laughs) Michael goes mouths and, you know, Job goes mouth mouth her and then we see that Anne is sitting next to the couch and she's actually been in this meeting the whole time and we just haven't seen her because obviously she, she's been hiding and of course Michael says oh hey Mouth I didn't see you sitting there and to which Anne says we rode up in the elevator together
1: I think to how Job is just uh, lying completely covering the couch and making his wife sit on the floor. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, and at this point, you know, Michael says, "I'm blanking, not remembering this elevator road." And then uh, Job says, "Yeah, me and Blank are getting the old Christian magic act back together." We then find out at this point that Tony Wonder is making a fortune with a gay magic act, um, and you know. We'll see a little bit of Tony Wonder in this episode, but Job's second episode really revolves around the rivalry yes. between him and Tony Wonder. Um, and then we get a classic her, as yeah uh, you know, Michael says, who's getting married? And Job goes, her. And then, of course, Michael says, who's marrying her? And then, of course, Job has to go, me. Did I not open with that? And I like how Michael goes, you sure didn't. And then as he as he says, I'm getting married, and he goes, I didn't want to make a big deal about it, I like how Michael goes, you haven't, (laughs) which is just like kind of... Yeah, and his
1: parents just like stare at him waiting for uh, whatever the end of the sentence, whatever the the actual scam is that he's running.
0: This is where we then, you know, cut to Lindsay has returned from a spiritual journey and that makes us then, we we leave the the family meeting to arrive at possibly my favourite kind of... There's a lot of TV show kind of jokes in this episode, um, but the... And as it is such, so... Also, as such, it is unto you. <laughs> oh, my lord, that's a mouthful. Is possibly my favorite, <laughs> just because it is such a kind of stupidly long title uh, for a TV show, which is hosted, I think, by uh, Father Masala, who certainly takes the lead uh, in the episodes, um, and co hosted by Pastor Terry Veal. Uh, once again, Alan Tudick returning here. Um, and <laughs> it's worth mentioning obviously that uh, masala veal is the dish that george senior tried to cook uh when he had the uh the boil in the bag meals um, ah. and he was not successful so <laughs> so uh i feel like that has to be an obvious joke about that um but yeah so you know we we have this very religious show um, which is on uh, like this, the kind of um, you know, like one of those kind of specialty religious channels. Uh, in this case, uh, I'm trying to remember what the network is that it's on. Uh, the Miracle the, Network. The Miracle Network, yes. Uh, which, which obviously itself has a, a number of uh, a number of TV shows that are on it, um,
1: which we yes. will learn about. And a frequent uh, guest actor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, um, and. <laughs> as uh, we also get yet another kind of like um, a joke about Anne uh, as um, you know um, Father Masala <laughs> didn't realise that Pastor Veal had a daughter and you know uh, Terry Veal has to say you've met her several times and then go she's sitting right next to you and then we kind of pan out a little bit and we see that indeed <laughs> Anne has been sitting there the whole time and this is where he goes I thought you were hair and then of course <laughs> Pastor Bill says, hair? No, she's my daughter. And she's getting married to this good man. And then we see Job. I like as well how as each as each person talks to each other, they have to use the full title of the show where he goes, well, yes. as it is such an also such an to you, young man. And of course, Job just goes, you got it. Unto you as well, dear heavenly fathers. And he just like doesn't have an understanding of like what's going on. Uh, And, you know, as he did with, um, you know, uh, previous kind of occasions, uh, most notably when um, his his previous girlfriend was being interviewed on uh, on Mexican television, he decides to make a huge announcement. And, you know, they're going to televise the marriage. And, you know, Mm. (laughs) Job says that he will be performing one of his famous magical illusions. Um, and of course he then ends up kind of in the faux biblical speak where he says that once your eyes have beholden it, you will put no God before me because of its <laughs> spectacularity. And of course I only propose to do this out of love for, and then he stops and Anne has to go, Anne, and then he goes, and God. <laughs> <laughs> so effectively he's calling her And which of course is the name of a famous club um, mm. we find out that um, you know Job is going to be escaping out of in fact this isn't like a bad this isn't a bad trick he's going to escape from the cave by never going into the cave and escaping using a, a fake boulder which gets you know pushed to one side um, you know essentially it's the stage that he'll be standing on before you know he, he you know uh, he's covered with a, uh, a curtain so that he can kind of you know Disappear into it and take off his handcuffs and and escape, and then you know, return a couple of weeks later and show everyone that he's escaped, uh, or at least that is the plan. Um, <laughs> and I like here that you know, he's practicing in the model home, and Michael comes in and he asks, You know, what's the illusion that you actually love the bride? And I like how for a <laughs> half a second you think Job is going to be offended, and he goes, Hey. That's good patter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's always, you know, he's always a magician and he's always looking for, you know. uh,
1: Yeah, whatever the next angle is. Yeah,
0: and I just love that because it's it's such a great joke. Um, And, you know, Job and Michael, they had, for some bizarre reason, a substantial amount of the previous episode as well, which is actually ahead of where this episode is set. Um, So it's really weird because we've kind of really jumped back in time here. Um, and, you know, Will Arnett and Jason Bateman, of course, you know, always great together. And, you know, the timing between the two of them is is just so kind of perfect. And I love that Job, um, you know, he didn't pay attention to Michael storming out and leaving the family. And so,
1: well, they explain why.
0: Yeah, we cut back to the penthouse. And as Michael is, you know, saying, you know, I hope you're Doing his with his rant. family and all the rest of it. We have, once again, Hello Darkness, my friend playing as Job is just staring into the middle distance. Um, And, you know, Michael originally is going to be, you know, best man slash assistant. Um, But but as the conversation goes on, Job kind of demotes him to be a centurion, uh, standing over where they think I'll be, which is such a great, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, place for him to kind of talk about it.
1: Um, And also during the conversation um, is one of my favorite visual gags that they keep on bringing back uh, in the show, which is eating mustard and Parmesan cheese.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Which, of course, a little bit of a shout out to Gene Parmesan. Um, Of course. You know, and... I like as well how Job talks about you know the Bluth company and Michael reveals that he has his own company, the Michael B Company. Yes, the Michael B Company. Which of course, Job says you stole my idea <laughs> <laughs> of having a B Company. Uh, which I I love the fact that Job is so into bees. You know, obviously the title of this episode, Colony Collapse, you know recalls like beads, be- bees recalls oh. recalls, the, and that, that's the thing is it started as just a common misunderstanding over Lindsay wanting to buy beads. And it's just turned into this whole thing where he has a number of hives and, you know, he, re- he really knows what he's doing when it comes to bees. It's, it's so weird that Job is actually, you know, as he says... Yeah, he's
1: actually kind of a good bee. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, in the previous episode, he described himself as a gentleman bee farmer. Um, and I think, you know, that's his true calling. Um, though obviously his son would not approve because his son is in a, a different line related to insects mm. and such. Um, but yeah, you know, Michael tries to say he hasn't stolen the idea, but he kind of gives up on that. Um, and you know, it was a great
1: example of Michael trying to, and then just giving up. Yeah,
0: And Job says, you know, he was using his magic smoke on his bees. Um, and he goes, my bees are dropping like flies and I need them to fly like bees, <laughs> which is such a great kind of, I just love, I love Will Arnett saying those words. It's just so great. Um, and then of course he says he's got to get him out of the bee hospital, uh, which is not, you know, cheap, <laughs> which I don't know why there's just a hospital for bees, but I guess it's really weird because at the time, you know, the, the, the talk of, you know, colony collapse and the death of bees. Um, in 2012, you know, when this was being shot, was you know such a hot news item. Um, you know that like five years later, it's kind of mystifying that everyone was talking. Yeah, about. I guess bees. the bees are okay now. Uh, I mean, actually, it turned out that you know colony collapse was not as severe as people thought, um, and that you know the bees actually managed to recover quite well. But <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just so weird that it was a subject of both um, you know the happening and also you know. <laughs> arrested Development. It's like so, such
1: a... <laughs> all, all the great uh, pop culture touchdowns. Yeah, it's
0: it's just it's just weird that there was there was so many things about bees and colony collapse. But yeah, and you know, Job, <laughs> I like I like how he you know he gradually reveals that uh, you know his wedding is actually going to be an escape act, and he's going to be running away from this marriage. And you know, he talks about how you know a marriage is a lot of pressure, and I like how he goes, and she's not into it, so. Once again, (laughs) Anne being called by a different name. Um, And then he talks about how Jesus was shredded and, you know, (laughs) how Anne apparently after they had sex once has let herself go and her stomach is apparently out here, Uh, which is something that will kind of be revealed, uh, I think, in the next Job episode. Uh, So I don't want to spoil that for people. But yeah, and I like how, you know, as Michael turns his back, Job disappears and Michael just goes, I know you're in the boulder. And then we get a slight pause. And I, for a second, having not seen this episode for a while, I thought that Job had actually completely gone and he wasn't in the boulder. But then he just goes, yeah, but how would I get in the boulder from inside the boulder? And it's quite obvious there's like a door right on top of it. So that's how he got in. Um, he got in very quickly. Yeah, he, he did. Um, and on the day of the wedding, we have, you know, the the kind of the setup of the trick. Um, and none of his family have shown up and this is an echo of what will eventually be fully revealed in Lucille's episode and we get a shot of it here in this episode, which is the trial where nobody shows up but they all have their like headshots in their seats and in, in, in once we actually get to the, the you know the, the church we actually find that there are also headshots in the seats of where Joe's family is supposed to be. It's almost as though they had those headshots like printed in bulk just so they could put them in places where the family were not given to appear.
1: That is one of the great um uh, jokes from the season two just building on like the previous episodes as we see more and more who didn't show up to the trial.
0: Uh, yeah and obviously you know each time we, we find out why they didn't show up and I think in, in um, you know Job's case it, he has a very good excuse as to yeah. why he didn't show up. He's talking with Anne I like as well how she goes it's bad luck to see me in the the gown before the wedding and he goes well hopefully i haven't uh you know a comment on uh, on the kind of plain clothes that Anne is wearing in this particular case and tobias wonders past <laughs> and he's playing roman centurion number two <laughs> Um, not even Roman Centurion number one not even you know being related to, to the the groom can get him you know a, a, nope. a bump up from number two to number one um, and you know Betty at and so it is such and also as such it is unto you um, you know has, has kind of put him onto the casting for this particular event uh, and we find out that he has worked for the Miracle Network a number of times Uh, And we, we, we see Father Masala's searing docudrama uh, father masala's john the baptist which in itself feels a little bit kind of sacrilegious to be putting your own name on the story of john the baptist you know rather than it being from yeah you know, the Bible. probably a little bit yeah and then we have the anti-abortion drama embryo dan it would have been a wonderful life <laughs> and the embryo is of course played by tobias a fully grown man yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of in, in inside uh, inside the uterus and then we have <laughs> break out the Bagels. It's time for Father <laughs> M's light-hearted comedy, A Jew Came to Dinner, uh, which, of course, sees, uh, uh, you know, Tobias playing a Hasidic Jew with the uh, with a full beard and everything. Um, so basically, <laughs> this entire network has Tobias as its kind of backbone. You know, Tobias says he, he hates to be the guy who quotes his own reviews, but his word magazine called My Jew Pitiful. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I Why would you quote that? That's the funny thing. Is like, Why would you quote that?
1: Because he actually got a review.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, and we find out that we are at the Church of the Holy Eternal Rapture. Um, so <laughs> remember those letters because they are on this kind of glass structure. That Those three letters, H E R are there with a question mark. And I don't even know what that question mark is doing there. But of course... Uh, as Pastor Terryville gives his introduction of Job, it spells her. Uh, one more, one more kind of uh, joke in that direction, uh, and we get Job on the cross, uh, a giant glittery cross. Which in the previous episode, we already knew that the Christians were not happy with this trick. So here we get to see them being not happy with this trick, um, and Job escapes from you know the. Uh, <laughs> he talks about how. You know, this is a you know magical trick. You know, I like as well how he hates the intro because Pastor Terry Veal doesn't know what to say, so he just calls it a magical trick. And Jeb's like, "Thanks
1: for the killer intro." Um, and then, of course, he goes, "If I just love to throughout this whole sequence, just how no one really understands what's going on or why it's happening or anything about it." Yeah, it, yeah. And then, uh, and then it plays off uh, at the end too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And. Job on the cross says, if what Jesus did was a trick, you know, like saying, if you know, if, if you're calling it a magical <laughs> trick, then this and of course everyone gasps. He goes, I say it wasn't. And then they start applauding. And then he goes, It was an illusion. And of course, that's how he he comes <laughs> he kind of comes off the cross dressed as a, a centurion because he's swapped places. And I like how Tobias goes, Ooh, they did not like that one. <laughs> and for some reason Tobias is mic'd up the same way that Job is mic'd up. Which doesn't make any you know, sense, no yeah, because he's not meant to have any lines. Though so I, I, feel like you know Tobias knowing someone from the Miracle Network, he's probably got himself mic'd up without uh, Job's permission. You know, he talks about how you know J- Jesus <laughs> escaped from you know the was was in the cave for for three days, um, and Job is going to beat that. Uh, that record, which is weird because obviously that's, that's not the <laughs> point of why he was there for three days. But um, And I like as well... That, no, it's just a David Blain stunt, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he sees it as like an endurance stunt rather than, you know, uh, what it actually was, which is, you know, the resurrection of our saviour. Um, but I like as well how, um, you know, the kind of the escape boulder is wheeled in and Job decides that he's going to do the trick handcuffed. Um, and I love how Tobias starts kind of like improving lines, and his delivery of handcuff the king of the Jews—it's like <laughs> it's just so great. Um, and then of course he gets Pastor Terryville to check the inside of this cave and assure everyone there's no escape, um, and you know no secret, no trapdoors, no secret compartments, no way to get out. And of course Pastor Terryville sees the 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 the. Um, mannequin that will take job's place and he i guess he sees the kind of um the little compartment uh on the wall um i'm never fully sure of that even after you know just watching it i'm, I'm not sure if he actually sees that but i think it's just the kind of mannequin that he doesn't say anything about yeah you know where, well the mannequin
1: asked him not to so.
0: yeah it's got a big shh sign on it you know pastor veryfield goes i don't see anything it's funny that the kind of he he plays along with the trick uh, not kind of knowing where it's going or anything. Uh, you know, it's nice that that Pastor Terry Veal kind of takes part in this, um, and it's worth saying as well. Alan Tudyk, you know, uh, we also have Ione Sky as as uh, Mrs. Veal, but she doesn't say a single word during the entire episode. They brought back Ione Sky and then just had her sit in the audience and do nothing. Uh, and um, you know, Pastor Terry Veal. Uh, as played by Alan Tudyk, you know, he, he's so kind of funny because this character is always kind of slightly bemused by everything that the the Bluths do. So it's clear that he doesn't quite understand what's going on as Job
1: is doing this <laughs> right. trick.
0: But, you know, he just kind of plays along with it just to
1: kind of, you know... Assumes it's some secular thing that he doesn't really understand. Yeah,
0: that's what it feels like. It just, it feels like, you know, everything the Bluths do, do kind of puzzle the veils, but they just kind of go along with it um and this is where we find out that the secret compartment is it doesn't open so job isn't able to get the trick and then of course he starts suggesting that they they do some you know mouse and a drink <laughs> and <laughs> and then the then Centurions you know ignore the magicians protest which of course is what they're meant to do to kind of sell the trick and job you know handcuffed um falls into the the, the escape boulder and and is knocked out. <laughs> and you know the dummy is then sealed inside the cave. Uh, as the narrator tells us the real Job's fate was sealed. Um, and <laughs> as the boulder gets wheeled away. Pastor Terryville just kind of bemused says. Well I guess we'll wait two weeks. And see if he's in there. <laughs> uh, and then he just says. Is that okay with you Anne?" And of course Anne says he's not coming back. It's, it's true because Job is knocked out. And he's unconscious and unable to kind of escape from this trick. Um, But also possibly true because if he had been able to get himself out of the handcuffs, he probably wasn't coming back. (laughs) I like as well how this kind of develops into, you know, something that that the Miracle Channel kind of, um, you know, hypes up a little bit. Um, Almost like the, like we say, the kind of David Blaine endurance stunts, like when he was um, in a box over the Thames, for I don't know how many I can't even remember how many days that was. Do you remember how many days it was over the Thames?
1: No, that was a while ago. Um, I think it was like a week. He usually do a week or two.
0: I, I, I just for some reason I get the feeling it was longer than a week. Um, because I remember it being like it a, might have
1: he was in the ice for
0: two weeks. I don't I don't think. know. Didn't he, did he end that one? Um,
1: or went through with all of them rather.
0: Well, I but I'm almost certain that the ice one he David Blaine finished it earlier than he wanted to because for some I don't know for some because you're not meant to stand
1: <laughs> yeah exactly you're not supposed to be buried alive for two months you're not
0: meant to be in a block of ice for you know however long um, but uh, yeah so he was he was in a box over the, over the Thames for however long that was um, t- you know to, to me it feels like you know it was oh uh, there, it was 44 days. Um, in a box. Jeez. Yeah, this is why I remember it being such a big thing because um, in the summer of two thousand three, obviously you know ten years before this, yeah, David Blaine was in a box over the Thames, uh, a seven by seven foot box, and basically he was there for for over over a month, and it was on. It was like everywhere over here. It was just it was insane. It was all over the news, you know. Even though basically it was just a guy in a box doing nothing. You know, it, it kind of got you know, quite large ratings and um it was you know, it was a real it was a real kind of big thing. But also the joke was that Londoners just did not care for David Blaine doing this nonsense and so they would, you know, throw food up at him and they would kind of, you know, moon him and, you know, just kind of just put him off basically. Yeah. Uh,
1: he did a bunch of those over here too and the- most of the time he was underwater or in ice or something. But, yeah, the one time he he stood up on a big stick for uh, a day and a half, and, yeah, people were throwing stuff at him because <laughs>
0: who cares? Well, this turns into kind of the same thing where we have, you know, the cave is there, and, you know, we <laughs> we, we have some bingo going on, and, uh, you know, Father Masala and, and uh, Pastor Veal are talking about, you know, it, once he gets out, it's going to be a beautiful wedding, and I kind of, I, I kind of like that. You know, this turns into like a kind of an event that they're waiting for Job to return, and of course, Anne keeps saying he's not coming back. Um, and then you know, always waiting for someone to return. <laughs> yeah, and this is the point at which we find out, of course, that Job is is unable to stop the boulder from being shipped to a storage unit. And that is why he was not able to make the trial of Lucille Bluth. Um, And, you know, we we get everyone back together. And two weeks later, they open up the cave. And Tobias, now for some reason taking on a lead role, (laughs) says the dead will walk amongst us. No, he shan't, for he is not here. (laughs) And then, of course, there's a note which says, if I have not returned, I am in the rapture. And then on the other side it says, love each other. And this is the one line that Mrs. Veal actually gets where she goes, what does he think we've been doing? And then um, I think Uncle Paul says, I loaned him a $1,000. Um, and <laughs> this is where we end up in a parody of another thing that was you know, quite popular a few years ago, which is Lockerhawkers, Something Smells <laughs> Terrible edition. <laughs> um, <laughs> and everyone is you know putting on masks uh, and we find out that there is a busted magic bible boulder and a feral jesus <laughs> and, <laughs> and they both have a value of zero dollars and nobody bids on it uh, and you know obviously dehydrated and he's he's basically just eating uh like red licorice uh, like kind of Basically, as I say, a yeah, feral Jesus. Yeah, he's he's kind of just bit bitten open packets of whatever food was in there, and he's just kind of eating it um, to try and stay alive. Uh, and you know, he he eventually gets returned to a hospital so that he can like. Uh, I'm guessing he wouldn't be severely dehydrate I would think we end up with Anne visiting Job and saying that you know she doesn't love him anymore and uh, she feels sorry for him and he's going to be alone forever. Unless you let the Holy Ghost inside you. And of course, this is where he goes. The Holy... And, you know, he'd basically been living on uh, what the narrator calls candy vines. <laughs> so obviously, they once again, they've kind of got off-brand. He finally kind of breaks down uh, after being wheeled out of hospital. And he
1: calls Steve Holt. Well, because she leaves a, uh, a religious pamphlet with him which he then reads of uh, being about uh, a person named Goad. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than Job. Um, and of course he calls, um, you
0: know, Steve and says that he's, you know, ready to let the son of Gobe involve me. Uh, he talks about, have you been to the club and owned by Jeremy Pivon, you know, he's going there tonight. And of course, as he goes to say, it's me, your father, he, he's filled up the whole message. Um And I like how he kind of points, saying, okay, ready to be wheeled further. But obviously the people, the (laughs) orderlies who wheeled him outside have have now returned to the hospital. They're not wheeling him any further. Um, And he talks. I like here how they set this up because Job is talking to someone and he says, you know, Job was waiting to meet his son at the bar and he felt a little vulnerable. And he says, you know, I lost my wife, lost my career. And when I was in the storage unit at the bottom of that rock, it was like I hit. And Steve Holt Says rock bottom. <laughs> and I like how Job guys goes. No, it's more like a trending downward moment. <laughs> <laughs> and he reveals he feels like he's being tested, like Job from the Bible. <laughs> and the bartender, who seems to be, bartender keeps caring The bartender religiously, you know, maybe I don't know. It's really weird, but he says Job, and of course Job goes yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this kind of like weird little kind of back and forth where each time Job keeps going to talk, you know, the bartender keeps saying Job, uh, and I, this is where Steve Holt kind of reveals <laughs> that he is Steve Holt. Um, it's worth saying that um, you know, uh, just in uh, I want to start. yeah, in Job's defense, <laughs> yeah, just in uh, his his son does
1: look a little bit different than last yeah, time. Yeah, just
0: time. in Wade Grant um, for the role. It should be it should be said, um, you know he, he yeah. thinned out his hair and he gained a little bit of weight so that Steve Holt would look a bit more pathetic and you know different, um, you know it's worth saying that you know a, a fair amount of time passed between the end of, of you know season yeah. three and the start of season four, uh, you know you're talking what is it like eight years something like that, so you know obviously uh, teenagers change quite substantially sometimes and uh, just in Wade Grant does look. Uh, I wouldn't say unrecognisable, because you can still say it is Steve Holt, but the fact that he kind of, you know, went to the trouble of changing his appearance so much really helps the joke, um, you know, yeah. with him being kind of unrecognisable uh, to, to Job. But then at the same time, <laughs> S- S- Steve, you know, um, Job would, would never recognise Steve Holt anyway, because after almost every yeah, single exactly. interaction... Uh, they previously had, he kind of kept taking forget-me-nows, and, you know, so he, he didn't really want to remember his own son anyway. Um, and, of course, he talks about, you know, it, to kind of cover this, he talks about how he's looking for his son, and Steve Holt says, you have another son? I have a brother? And, of course, this is where Job realises who he's talking to and then makes up this fake other son called Dave. Um, and they both say Dave Holt, <laughs>
1: which... It's just kind of and
0: I love how they then jump back an hour and because apparently who would
1: have Steve's last name. I'm not
0: yeah, it's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I love how they jump back to how, you know, um, Job meeting Steve and he says, your mom's name is Eve. And he goes, oh, you know, he, he knew a chick named Eve once. Uh, and then, of course, he says, biggest mistake of my life. Uh, and, you know, Steve offers Job a job so he can work with him. Uh, a kind of son and son thing his place of business is on 181 manville um, and he asks what time do you start this pest control and steve says 7 a.m of course job says i'll be there with at six forty-five with two cups of coffee <laughs> with it being such a great day and the fact that they keep saying six forty-five, <laughs> which is like kind of putting it into to kind of job's memory um, job stays at the bar while Steve Holt goes home. Obviously, because he's got to be up early in the morning to do his yeah. job. Traditional blue pre-celebration. Uh, yeah, uh, Job. You know, he kind of celebrates this by staying at the bar, and he does the kind of you know the tiny te- cherry stem trick before a woman <laughs> says that she has lupus, and he just kind of like spits <laughs> the cherry out. Um, and this catches the attention of JBJ. Um, you know. And we find out that he's with his boy Mark Cherry, and of course, Job asks Mark Cherry, the babyface singer, or Mark Cherry, the babyface showrunner, which is such a great question that he has to ask. And Mark Cherry apparently was on a, a sitcom called Pop a which is <laughs> which is a, such a great kind of uh, name. And ROTC being ROTC, which you know, of course, is the. Um, I can't remember what those initials stand for.
1: It's the Army School. I don't know exactly Junior what it army, means. Basically,
0: you know, Mark Cherry also had a a single with "Practice Kisses," which was co-written by um, a previous veteran of the TV show Cheers, which leads to a few kind of like photographs of this kind of very old kind of like writer in the middle of like all all this kind of group of young kids, uh, mostly consisting of Mark Cherry's uh, entourage, um, and. You know, JBJ takes uh, Job back to Mark Cherry to do a trick. Um, But, of course, you know, Job insists on saying it's an illusion. Uh, A trick is something a whore does for, and then he gets cut off because JBJ says, do a trick and I'll pay for your bar tab. (laughs) And then, of course, Job produces a cherry from his mouth and everyone is amazed. And then we see a series of tricks where Job kind of, you know, makes things disappear, makes things reappear, and everyone in the, the entourage is kind of entranced by what Job is doing, uh, inc- including Rebel Alley, who appears, and screams fire in the middle of uh, <laughs> of this bar after Job produces a fireball, and of course this cuts to her doing a PSA saying never yell fire in a crowded place. It's
1: never funny. I love the uh, the narrator's thing too. Uh, she was doing research for an upcoming public service announcement. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, and that's something. That obviously, each time Rebel Alley's PSAs come up, the the kind of lead-in gets shorter and shorter, and the PSA just appears because we know that Rebel Alley has done something like that. Um, and of course, you know, Rebel has a uh, has a purse which is a David Spade, uh, a callback to Lindsay's episode when she was on the mountain. And once the you know, obviously, Job kind of uh, has amazed the entourage. Uh, you know, a dove appearing out of the purse. And Rebel kisses Job and uh, <laughs> some paparazzi appear. And JBJ, you know, um, she, she, uh, he, he wants to kind of, you know, get them out of there. Uh, and, you know, Job is the one who kind of uh, who will do that. But, you know, Rebel doesn't want to be seen, you know, partying with some tweens, she says. <laughs> uh, I like how Job says that he'll have them out there in a flash which sets up, you know, the idea of him doing something to kind of make them disappear in a puff of smoke or something. And, of course, we get the callback to his least successful trick, uh, where he basically sprays lighter fluid in the eyes of the paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, in in past occasions, you know, the lighter fluid, you know, his, his kind of button has always been, but where did the lighter fluid come from? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they... <laughs> Mark Cherry seems to be impressed by this, and of course, he calls Job Getaway. Um, and, you know, Job is accepted into the group, uh, which means that unfortunately, Josh Abrasom, uh who is <laughs> known as the Levelhead, is now out of the entourage, uh, which is Cherry's business manager's son. Um, I've got a feel that Josh Abras- Abrams' son is uh, a reference to JJ Abrams. Um, oh, yeah. And possibly the fact that J.J. Abrams has a son who may one day um, be causing trouble with an entourage. At six forty-five a.m. in the morning, Job is indeed going past Steve Holt and his pest control <laughs> business, uh, but he's out of a—he's standing in a limo, out of you know, with the, out, out of the sunroof, and you know, he just shouts, uh, "I'll be with you in a second. I'll be right there. Start without me." And of course, Steve Holt says. He's not coming back. We then return to the the kind of... Not the, in, the the opening, but just a little bit before the opening. Where Job is living the dream. And he's, you know... He felt like he was in the centre of the entourage. Even though he's three away from the centre at the closest. <laughs> and it was pop star Mark Cherry's dream. <laughs> um, and of course... Job gets stopped by the bouncer because, of course, he would be because he's a forty-something man Sorry. with a group of teens, and <laughs> he ends up being a limo driver. Something which, in the previous episode, he said he wasn't a limo driver. Um, you know, so this is kind of he ends up there, and then we get what is possibly one of the kind of the oddest little kind of jokes, uh, where on the mirror we have the words "Hey, Joe with the B." Uh, fun night. <laughs> P.S. I have syphilis. And then upside down, <laughs> um, you know, uh, colon and uh, open parentheses. Which is great that they're typing out emojis
1: <laughs> on a handwritten thing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, um, obviously, Job with a B is someone mishearing Job with a B. Uh, but also, <laughs> he he does have some Bs. So, you know, yeah. kind of makes sense. Uh, and we have this... This sequence where the narrator explains a roofie circle where Job uh, experiences shame. And so he takes the forget me now um, and but unfortunately (laughs) he ends up still remembering the event that caused the shame. So once again, he takes another forget me now and you know he keeps seeing the mirror takes it too late
1: to forget the event but uh early enough to forget taking the roofie. yes
0: and so we end up with with this thing where he keeps taking a roofie forgetting he's took a roofie and then taking another one the next day until you know a month has gone by and he he keeps seeing this one guy (laughs) in, in the um uh, in the bodega and he keeps calling you know like <laughs> like the you know the Halloween decorations go up and he's like what's with the scary guy and it's just like <laughs> oh it's just it's just crazy because it's like the next day two days later fifteen days later a month later six weeks later <laughs> at which point Job is like what's with all the Christmas decorations and the narrator saying days turn into weeks weeks turn into months and uh, you know obviously this is where at a certain point the salesman is not willing to, you know, sell uh, Job any uh, pills. And, of course, the, the narrator says, eventually, it almost ends in a Mexican hospital with stage four syphilis. <laughs> uh,
1: which is... As yes, he throws up all over the street. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, and I like as well how we end up with, you know, Job has worn out his welcome. And, you know, possibly one of the kind of the greatest running jokes in this this kind of series is how Mark Cherry has written a song called "Getaway," and he (laughs) sings the lyrics directly at Job saying go away get away stay away get away obviously get away being Job's nickname but Job completely misses because you know
1: it's a little too subtle for him
0: yeah and also you know he the song is very catchy so so, yeah you know he just ends up singing singing along to that Uh, and of course this is where we find out that, um, you know, Job's Malibu life is falling apart, which is a reference to the fact that, you know, in the previous episode, uh, he had to kind of divert to pick up the bees to go down South. Um, and we find out that Johnny Bark as played by Clint Howard is very much alive <laughs> and not dead as previously thought by, uh, by his son, Marky Bark, uh, <laughs> and Deborah Mooney returns also as Joan Bark. Um, and we <laughs> we end up with job trying to go out with the rest of the entourage, uh, but they keep trying to like run away <laughs> from him, and he <laughs> talks about how he's got his sick bees in the trunk, and um, you know in the in the kind of in the in the back um, you know they pick up some women which includes debris Bardo, and you know job in the front um, <laughs> they say to him, "What if you shut the partition and you know pretend you're our limo driver?" And of course, Job kind of plays along, <laughs> doing like silly voices and all this kind of stuff. But you know, obviously, once the <laughs> once the 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 uh, partition is up, that will end up kind of like leading to uh, to some kind of uh, <laughs> to a terrible circumstance, um, particularly related mishap. Yeah, be related mishap, particularly as. You know, Job is doing this weird thing where he's saying, you know, a lot of traffic out here today, Miss Daisy. (laughs) Just kind of singing along to get away on the radio. Job's bees are released by debris. They basically end up stinging everybody. You know, they have recovered enough to sting again job who is recounting the story of the pilot talking about you know um those clearly high on cocaine while he's doing it (laughs) yeah talking about how those are police boats (laughs) and you know uh it's a trick it's not a trick it's an illusion and you know saying fun night fun night a fun night um and then you know (laughs) in the morning after he's kind of like you know slept it all off He he yells, wake up and kind of runs out of the house, not realizing that Josh Abraham's son had been passed and had called seven ambulances to take the entire entourage (laughs) into hospital uh, because obviously they're all suffering from bee stings. Uh, And I like as well how we get this kind of like 911 call uh, because there's so many little breaks where it just says unintelligible. And that is kind of exactly, you know, how news reports on these kind of things where they yeah. have an intelligible, you know, and then you get a couple of words and then unintelligible. <laughs> they get, they I like how Josh has to pick a number and he's like five, ten, maybe seven at least when he's asked how many ambulances they need. I, I like as well how as Job leaves, we see that the house is kind of clean and empty. <laughs> but Job is so kind of intent on making this joke of like screaming, wake up as he runs out that he doesn't even notice uh, and he ends up at the Opie's, uh, which is an award show that honours youth in Hollywood. You know, he's there as part of the entourage to make sure that Mark Cherry is being taken care of. But obviously not realising that Mark Cherry is in hospital. <laughs> um, and Mark Cherry, of course, ends up in rehab. Um, you know, something that he finds out during the show. And once again, we get Job. At this, at this point, uh, you know, when we find out that Mark Cherry is in rehab... Um, you know, Job says a little alcohol poisoning never uh, killed anyone. <laughs> and, of course, this cuts to Rebel Alley saying binge drinking, not cool. You know, we don't even need to see the setup. We just know what would have happened with Rebel Alley at this particular point. Job realizes that these were not his friends. He, you know, he sees Tony Wonder um, and we get a lot. We get the, the kind of we find out that Tony Wonder has this this gay magic act and i like how in this particular magazine it says i'm here i'm queer and now i'm over here which is
1: she's coming out of a drawer yeah,
0: such a such a great kind of joke and of course he says once more i'm here i'm queer and now i'm in a speaker <laughs> and he pops out of a speaker rather than popping out of box that job thinks he's going to pop out of uh, which has some has some glitter underneath and so job wedges the panel shut uh in an attempt yeah. to destroy tony wonder's uh trick because on the box of course it says tw closet so obviously you know yes. he thinks that tony wonder is going to be coming out of that particular closet yeah
1: this is one of those scenes that you see once, or you see a lot rather in this uh season where there's just a lot of stuff happening in the background that you don't really understand until you get to uh the other episodes yes in particular maybe runs past very quickly yes <laughs> uh which and then there's some sort of sirens going on at the end
0: uh obviously all this will be explained further in uh i think maybe's episode and the second george michael episode um and i like as well how um you know job comes to a realization once more you know that he's lost his fiance, his career his family and now his entourage um, which obviously wasn't his entourage anyway, and he says, "I have no one in my life who cares for me." And then, of course, "Hello, Darkness," my old friend starts <laughs> up. But then, Job's phone rings, and of course, his ringtone is "Getaway," um, and he he has a, c- a call from Steve Holt, which you know he re- he, <laughs> he rejects yes. by saying, "And now my boss <laughs> is at my air which I think is funny because obviously at this particular point he probably hasn't shown up for work for months so Uh, she was yeah you know and he he kind of basically and also you know never did so no one
1: uh, cares about him except for steve holt who continues to care about him despite having every reason not to and then of course we get to on the next episode of directed development
0: it's worth saying obviously you know we're halfway through the season now previously the on the next would occasionally call forward to something that was going to happen in uh, you know a future episode or, or they might just set up a joke or they might just pay off a joke um, but because of the structure of this season, with it being you know character by character, um, none of these on the next ever set up anything in the next episodes. Uh, they kind of
1: one of them goes to the previous episode.
0: You know, they never really kind of set up the stuff in the the, the way the same way that the the, the original series used to. Uh, but they do kind of like you know pay off a lot of the jokes. Um, And, of course, we see Job driving along uh, Getaway on the radio, of course, and he's singing Getaway, (laughs) Getaway. And, you know, he nurses the loss of his new family when he gets a call from his old one. And we get uh, the only kind of substantial appearance. Overlapping Getaways, too,
1: because his his ringtone is also Getaway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it kind of Getaway interrupts Getaway. And Lucille says, it's your mother. We're going to plan B Go see your father in a desert. He wants you to prepare to be the president of the Bluth Company. <laughs> which, <laughs> And this is where we kind of see this crossing over with Michael's second episode... ...as Job almost runs Michael over. Um, and Michael starts singing, I met a girl today. Just as Job starts singing, get away, get away. And of course, um, you know, Job says he will not disappoint you, mom. Uh, I am the perfect person to look out for this family. Uh, just as he almost kills Michael... Um, Now, of course, we then see the end of uh, the previous episode. uh, Well, not the end exactly, but kind of towards the end of the previous episode, where we have a different colony collapsing as the the sweat lodge is, uh, you know, falling apart with people running around with the the bees. And, you know, Job sees the cave, which Anne said earlier they had sold on Craigslist. (laughs) Um, uh, which Job mistook as them getting a nest egg so they could start their life together <laughs> um, and <laughs> or nest Anne. yes he, yeah that's right yeah I forgot to mention that but yeah he every time egg is mentioned he, he changes it to Anne. Job investigates and finds out that the secret compartment was wedged shut and he assumes that the cross uh, that is in there <laughs> is a T and it means Tony Wonder <laughs> uh, which you know Uh, (laughs) this is a mistake that maybe herself made when she said where can i get one of those t's and of course michael (laughs) said it's across and she said across from where we arrive at the end of job's first episode you know i find it interesting how much you know like we said up to this point longest episode of the season but i find it interesting how much kind of ground we cover because yeah job definitely goes on a journey this episode yeah you have the entire setup of you know, the Anne storyline and that's about 10 minutes of this episode and then they they kind of go to the logical conclusion of them not getting married and Anne finishing up uh, as it will be revealed in the next kind of Job episode being pregnant uh, and, you know, uh, <laughs> and then also Job kind of, um, you know, falling in with this entourage and then, you know, them getting tired of him and him falling out with the entourage and, you know, the bee colony is you know, kind of collapsing, and then it obviously it's doing better. And, you know, so then, you know, they're in the desert, and obviously they they hive in one of the caves. And, you know, there's so many kind of different strands that are going on here, and this episode does kind of, you know, and that's not even mentioning the whole kind of Michael and Job conversation, um, right. you know, which in itself is, is quite a long scene. You know, there's so many different kind of things that are being covered here and i mean this is something that i have mentioned a few times on the previous episodes but this is the first time that we have had an episode of rest development that is focused solely on will on it and job and you know that's worth mentioning because you know most of the times when job is in a storyline he's paired up with someone who can counteract
1: his awfulness yeah
0: how, how terrible he is you know he's a terrible son he's a terrible brother he's a terrible father and you know there's a danger if you put him at the center of an episode that you're going to end up hating Job because he is so terrible. But they actually managed to take, you know, him running out on Anne, which is kind of, you know, in unintentional.
1: Putting him in, the, in the, like we were saying earlier, putting him in with the Veals, who are just like fundamentally good people, sort of manages to, to counteract that a little bit. Yeah, and, and... Just because, like, you can play off his awfulness with just how... <laughs> Decent and forgiving they are Yeah
0: and and, you know you have that balance Then against like the entourage Now obviously we don't you know We don't know anything about Trout You know we don't don't really We don't really know that much about John Beard Jr Uh, You know we're not really kind of Given anything to say about Chris Kay Um, And Wyatt Russell Doesn't even say a single line In this episode as Oakwood You know Um, and Mark Cherry seems mostly petulant And spoiled you know, the fact that he, he you know, he writes a song, you know, which is directed at Job. Rather than saying to Job, you know, we don't want you hanging around with us. The anymore. only song that he's
1: written in uh, his entire career, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, he writes this song, which is, you know, a little bit kind of hateful and directs it directly at Job. Obviously, too subtle for him, goes completely over his head, so there's no <laughs> real harm done. But twice in this episode, Job hits rock bottom, you know, and obviously he treats Steve Holt so terribly um, and it's worth saying that just in Wade Grant, uh, you know, aside from obviously the transformation that he made um, to kind of be unrecognizable as Steve Holt, his chemistry with Will Arnett is really kind of fun. You know, when they're in the club Hi. and they're having the conversation and stuff, you know, they really work so well. And you know, the whole stuff. Remember with the you know the hand in the garden and the you know the son and son and you know them going camping and all that kind of stuff. You know, that it kind of calls back to that episode because you you really feel. The kind of the relationship, um, you know, and you kind of forget a little bit the fact that the term Job kept deserting Steve Holt, despite the fact <laughs> that Steve Holt loves magic. You know, he's perfect, yeah. he's perfect for Job, but, you know, he just keeps rejecting him. Um, you know, and we get a little bit of Rebel Alley, but she doesn't really do that much. But you know, I, it's nice how everyone is kind of contrasted against Job in this episode, and he he still ends up being sympathetic. And I think that's you know that's something that would is really kind of hard to pull off. Um, you know, when you have like the George Senior episodes, you know they have George Senior and Oscar, and they play him off against you know a number of other characters to try and make him sympathetic yeah.
1: because George senior is kind of unrepentantly ba- you know terrible whereas and with with their plots too they're sort of both uh, George senior and Oscar are playing against uh, their usual types too
0: Yeah yeah so there's you know and obviously Jeffrey Tambor is a great actor but you know sure. to put to put Will Arnett and the character of Joe at the center of an episode is always kind of risky um, and I think they actually you know, they do really well on rounding out. You can Joe. say the
1: same about about Tobias too. Yes. And uh, they've managed to to pull it off which I don't know if that's just a testament to the writing or the actors or or a combination of it I said
0: that during the Tobias episode that you know David it was a risk to have a character which like Job is mostly just a side character to you know to the other characters and kind of put them so central very cartoony
1: over the top both of them yeah
0: and they both they both David Cross and you know um, Will Arnett who obviously you know they they interact here as well and and that is a great scene with the two of them with with Tobias once again being completely oblivious and then once we get to the actual Magic trick, him kind of trying to steal the spotlight from Job, (laughs) Uh, you know, and like they work together so well, you know, Tobias Industries, obviously, you know, a success for one very good reason. But, you know, I think it was a risk to kind of do this format, particularly because some of the characters you feel like they might not work as the centre of an episode but Will Arnett pulls it off so well in this this episode there's still a whole nother Job episode to go through um, you know but I just think in this episode he, he did such a good job and that's something that I don't think people really when they talk about season four you know they talk about the character by character you know format and they don't really kind of Talk about what the actors were able to do with the kind of time that they were given.
1: Yeah, no, that's one of the things that I like about this um, season is that it, it is different. It, it's, like it you say, eight years later. Like it's, it's not going to be the exact same show that it was originally. So they didn't try to. They tried to do something different. Something we glossed over,
0: which is that Bruce McCulloch, uh, one of the kids in the hall, yeah. is uh, is Father Masala. I I, sh- I should have mentioned that earlier, but he's he's only in the episode very briefly, but he is you know, he's really good. Um, and he kind of him and um and alan tudyk they really work well kind of uh, particularly the whole thing where father masala you know doesn't recognize anne and and that kind of that little kind of interaction you're talking essentially about you know a side character of a side character and a new character and it's just by the strength of bruce mcculloch's acting that you actually get such a great interaction between those two but you know this is an episode that that mostly lives and dies by whether or not Will Arnett can carry it, and I think he does, you know, a really good job uh, in this episode. And you know, I think this and um, you know the Maybe episode are probably two of my favorite episodes of the season. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. think thirty-five minutes really kind of isn't enough in terms of like Will Arnett. I think <laughs> you really want more Will Arnett in this season. So you know, I'm looking forward to the second Job episode at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, the sec- yeah the second one's no, no, no I'm sorry the second one's really good too um, for all all the same reasons we were just saying so. yeah get into that in a few <laughs> yeah so uh,
0: I feel like we've really kind of uh, mined this episode uh, so I would like to say to you and as it is such so also it is such <laughs> unto you and we shall go to plugs is there anything you wish to plug
1: uh, yes I'm a regular on the uh, post uh podcast which is this um, but for all of Star Trek. Uh, we are just wrapped up Season 1 of Enterprise So we're very quickly Approaching the um, <laughs> Killing uh, time Between Discovery seasons um, Yeah So there's that and can, uh, Post Can we find you on Twitter? Yes I am Flunk2 On Twitter
0: And of course You can find us on Twitter At a huge mistake pod And you know You can find us on iTunes Rate and review Etc Etc uh, Thanks for joining me To talk about this uh, Job episode Kevin uh, Thank you for having me And Otherwise, goodbye. Bye.